Morning, church. It's good to see everyone. Hopefully, hopefully you can turn this down a little bit. All right. Um, how many of you know it's never a good thing to follow kids? You know, it's never a good thing because kid, these kids were amazing. I'm excited about next Saturday. Man, God's going to do great things uh, through these kids. And today, um, I'm going to share a little bit about um, family, um, the importance of family, the importance of words. Um, I'm just reminded of uh, uh, the holidays and how important family is, friends are, and the times that we meet together and what can happen when that happens. And in my family, when we meet together, like one of the things when I was living back at home, one of the things I couldn't wait for was my sister to come home. Because when my sister to come home, we would do these marathons of Scrabble. Anybody ever play Scrabble? Okay, we love to play Scrabble, and I had a reputation. It wasn't probably a good reputation, but I had a reputation of making up words. <laughs> now, I would make up words and play them and probably and use them in a sentence with that poker face, you know. And so my family members would be looking at me like this, and they would challenge me sometimes. And challenging me sometimes would be that... Um, they would either correct me and I would lose my turn or I would have um, that word that was right. And I remember one time I did this word, gleek, G-L-E-E-K. And I just learned this word because my friend taught me and there was about like this little stream that comes out when you spit. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm going to use this word and they won't think it's a word and they're going to challenge me and they're going to lose their turn. And so that did happen and stuff. I, I show you this, and it was up a little early, but anyways, my older sister, my next to the older sister, Chris, made this up. She used every letter in the alphabet, I mean, in Scrabble. And she used every letter, and this pertains to our family right there. And she gave it to um, my parents for Christmas one time. And I have it now because uh, my parents passed away. My sister passed away. So I have that because that's a great memory. You know, what I've learned over the years is words matter. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Words matter. And in Scripture, it says this. In Proverbs 18.21, Scripture says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So when we use our words, we're either for each other or we're against each other. It's just not the content of the word when we speak, but there's also the emotions behind them. And we can, through an email, text, note, communication face-to-face, -face, we can either add life to somebody or we can crush somebody. You know, words are powerful. We can help somebody soar with our words or we can cripple them with our words. So growing up with five brothers and we're super active playing sports and competing and everything, and what I learned over years was um, the master of the cut down. We learn how to cut each other down. We learn how to be sarcastic to one another. And that probably wasn't the healthiest thing to do. But one thing I became over time was um, good at being sarcastic and cutting each other down. And, and, I don't know if anybody's ever said anything to you that's kind of like crippled you, that's said a word to you that's kind of just like put you in a place and all of a sudden you allowed it to kind of like define you. 
Well, even though my brothers, and we did that to each other, um, it didn't really have the impact from my brothers that it did from someone, some other people that did it to me. And I remember one time when I was in seventh grade, um, some things were spoken to me because I spoke up about something. And because of my immaturity and not knowing things, you know, words were spoken to me. And they, in that time, like, kind of like defined me in a way where I kind of shut down when it came to being open in front of people, especially when having to give an answer to something in a group setting, you know? And so I held that in. And I remember those words back then defining me. Um, I remember when they were spoken to me, I remember playing them. You ever play something over in your head? Circumstances or something someone said, you keep playing over your head and you're like, you keep playing it over and over and all of a sudden it becomes a tape actually over time. And if not dealt with in a healthy way, what happens for, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, it became something that really unhealthy that became one of those limiting factors in my life. One of those limited factors that kept me from like really being who I was wired to be. And so, um, again, words are powerful. You know, they have an incredible sense of worth and value, or we can give somebody that shame and worthlessness when we speak things. We can draw someone closer or push them away. We can surround them with support or, or with our words, or we can isolate them with our words. You know, I'm not trying to have this be a downer mode tonight. This is going to be an up mode today. And um, I want you to start thinking back, especially that one phrase. You ever think of that or say that phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words were never hurt. Now, do, how many of us believe that to be true? You know, who's ever broken a bone? Okay, I've broken a bone and it's taken time to heal but what I found out over time is the hardest things to heal are words that have been spoken in a negative way. So Jesus wants us to get doing life together right. And especially in the New Testament, he talks about how we live with one another. When that phrase one another in scripture is mentioned in the New Testament over a hundred times. And the importance of that and how to do one another's. And we are to love one another. We know that. We are to be devoted to one another. We are to honor one another. We are to live in harmony in one another. We are to be at peace with one another. We are to accept one another. We are to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiven to one another. We are to bear with one another and give and forgive one another. We are not to complain against one another. There's a lot of great one another's to do in life. And I think as we do those, we become the church that Jesus wired us to be in a healthy way because one thing that he said that we were to do, we would be and we'd be known for, we'd be known for his disciples about the love that we have towards one another. And that love is demonstrated in the way that we live with one another. And we're to be devoted to one another in love. We were to regard one another as more important than ourselves. We're to serve one another. And we're not to lie to one another. You know, and there's a couple of them I want to focus on today. And that, that's our words and, and being devoted to one another and, and encouraging one another. When we practice the one another's, we become a culture that is loving, compassionate, thriving, helpful, free, uplifting, vibrant, full of hope. See, as Christ followers, it's not that we don't know 
who we are supposed to be around each other. It's not, that's not the answer. That's not the question. We already know who we're supposed to be, but living that out is really challenging. Hey, there's a study done, and I'm going to focus on words the rest of this day. And there was a study done by, by Gottman. There was a Gottman ratio, I call it, that said the best of best relations in marriages, people that talk five positive remarks to, ne- to one negative one thrived in their marriages. And five positive to one negative. And the marriages that had that were marriages that were thriving. And they looked at that study and they were going, wow, wonder what this looked like in the workplace. And so they did that same study and looked at it in the workplace and it said the same thing. It said five positive to one negative remark. People thrived in that environment. And so they also looked at that study with kids. And how were the kids be in that environment? And they said five positive to one negative and kids would thrive. And I was blown away because in my house, growing up, it was not five to one. In my house, I don't know about your house, my house, it was three to one. You know, and I'm not saying, and, and, and I love my parents. There's no doubt about it. My parents did the best that they could. They did awesome. They raised nine kids they sacrificed, they gave up their life for us, you know, they put up with us and we all had our challenges with our parents. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful for my dad, man. My dad was super smart. He worked for the Secret Service. He was an amazing guy, um, integrity, um, loved God, didn't know that, but he helped start a church when we first moved to Woodbridge. Um, I didn't know that until he passed away. And see, my dad was humble. He never talked about the things that he did and stuff. But there was still that negativity in our household. You ever like been at home and just felt like you're walking on eggshells or something that it was like you didn't want to say or do something because you know that turmoil was there. And that's how I felt a lot of times because what we did a lot of was arguing. Anybody argue, argue at home? Well, anybody ever argue with each other and then not talk to each other for a while? And so it would be that arguing, excuse me, that arguing, and then that silent treatment. And so, I got to be careful now, I lost my top. Hopefully there'd be no spillage. And so, it'd be, um, it would always be unresolved. There'd be words spoken, and they weren't good, healthy words, and then there'd be that silentness afterwards. And so that's the environment that we grew up in. And I didn't know on how unhealthy that was till later on. I just thought that was normal. So later on, man, see, as Christ followers, we can be better than three to one. I think as Christ followers, we can be better than three and one. And scripture says this, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Benefit those who listen. And also in First Thessalonians, it says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So let me define what Webster says about encourage. It says to inspire with courage, spirit, or confidence. To stimulate by assistance or approval. To promote, advance, or foster. 
my all-time favorite. So in other words, it's like we are to encourage one another. Our words matter. We get to encourage one another. And my all-time favorite person in Scripture is Barnabas. And I tell you why, man, because his real name wasn't Barnabas. In Scripture, in Acts chapter 4, it talks about this guy comes on the scene. His name is Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas. In other words, the way that Barnabas was, he was an encourager. And that was his, like, DNA. That was his reputation. He was an encourager. And he, and he, and he was great with people. And I don't know about what people would say about you today, but what would people call you today? Who are you besides your real name? Are you that encourager? Are you a giver? Are you that kind person? Are you Mr. or Mrs. Ungrateful? I don't know about that. You know, who are you today? And Barnabas is my favorite. And Barnabas was my favorite because of a few things. Not only was he was an encourager, but Barnabas loved to be around people and stand by people and champion them when others didn't believe in him. You remember when Paul got saved in Scripture? Paul had that encounter with Jesus in, in, in Acts chapter 9, right? And guess, guess who was there to help Paul? See, when Paul got saved, people didn't really want to be around Paul, even though he would just received Christ because of his reputation. And right off the bat, Barnabas came alongside of him. And Barnabas, because Barnabas' words, Barnabas being a courier, Barnabas being willing to come alongside people and champion them, he comes alongside of Paul and takes a stand with him. And all of a sudden, Paul is able to begin his ministry on a cool thing. He brought him before the apostles, and he championed them. Barnabas is one of my favorite guys. And that's not the only time that Barnabas stood for somebody. Because it talks about in chapter 15 of Acts that Barnabas and Paul, over time in ministry, they had a sharp disagreement. You ever have a sharp disagreement with somebody? Spoke words with somebody and just had a disagreement? But they had such a sharp disagreement that they split ways. Split ways. And the disagreement was over this guy named John Mark. He, he went on a, one of the first missionary journeys with Paul and Barnabas. And John Mark was part of that missionary trip. And during that missionary trip, I don't know what happened, but John Mark left. I don't know if things got tough. I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip and things didn't, you know, all of a sudden you're sleeping on a cot. And you're getting bit by mosquitoes and you're like, I don't know if this is what I signed up for. And you're eating this food that's rice and whatever's there with the rice. And you're like, oh, I don't know, man. Maybe it's time to bail on this. Well, he was on that first journey, and he bailed. And later on, Paul didn't like that. So Paul's going again, and Barnabas trying to bring John Mark on this trip. And Paul's going, no, because he bailed on us that first time. And you know Barnabas, right? Barnabas is an encourager. And he loves to champion people, so he championed John Mark at that time. So they went into separate ways. So Paul went with Silas, and you look in Scripture that Paul and Silas went on. And then you don't hear much or anything, anything else about Barnabas. But what we do know is that Barnabas went with John Mark. And the neat thing is, is that even later on in Scripture, it talks about Paul and them reconciling, because it says that Paul called for John Mark later. 
But here's my question too, and my thought, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I believe because Barnabas stood by John Mark when no one believed in him, when Paul didn't believe in him, and I'm sure he probably heard the word spoken why he didn't want John Mark to come, and I'm sure he might have been discouraged, but because Barnabas stood next to John Mark, I believe we have the gospel of Mark because of that. You know, we have that potential to come alongside other people to help them become who God's wired them to be. And a lot of times we need to be that person when they failed. And at that time with Barnabas, with John Mark, John Mark championed him. You know, I like that story because that's kind of happened in my life. You know, like as a Christ follower, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't know how bad my life was at home until I got sober. And I started looking at things in my life. And there was this guy that I met, and his name was Bob Clark. And he started taking me through these steps. And the step first thing was to bring God in my life, you know, and to bring God into every circumstance and to bring God into every problem and issue that I was going through. And the neat thing about it was it wasn't easy because when I first met him, I was full of anger. I had this insecurity. I had this anxiety. I had this toxicity about myself. I had this resentment about myself. My issues were there. And we started meeting and talking over time. And during that process of doing that, we talked about some tough things that weren't working in my life and what to do about those things. And he was an incredible encourager to me. You know, I've never, I'd never been around somebody that, that was really concerned for my well-being and also about my future with no strings attached other than to try to help others. That's what he told me to do. He goes, I want you to help others with what I do with you. In other words, the same thing I do with you, just like we're called to be Christ's disciple and go and make disciples. He goes, I want you to do that same thing. I want you to be that encourager to other people. So he encouraged me. You know, I met with him a lot, and I, he heard my story. He heard my complaints. He heard my miseries. He heard, my, he heard everything about the, everything I ever did in my life, every sin I ever committed. I shared with him, you know. So he knew all my thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. And he helped me work through a lot of things. And the cool thing is, is that he would invite me over to his family's house for dinner and stuff like that. And I would go over there. And that's when I started connecting dots. Because in his house, his family was like the Leave it to Beaver show, you know. It was that kind of thing, which my household was like the Osbournes. It was that much of a difference at home. In other words, he had an environment. He set an environment in that household where it was super positive, uplifting. Their kids were happy because he was such an encourager. And he did that. I know he did that ratio at least five to one. Because it's not like he never corrected his kids. But what I realized was my household was like that. My, my household was the three to one. And his household was five to one. Big difference in how we grew up. I wanted what this guy had. So I was willing to go to any length to do what he said for me to do. To get healthy. So every time... He said something to me. Every time I complained to him about something, at the very end, he would always go like this. He goes, look, 
you used to drink and drug over these things. You don't do that anymore. And it goes like this. You're a winner. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But see, I didn't believe it. You know, it's, it was spoken to me, but I still didn't believe it. Because you know what was still playing in the background? All those old tapes. All those old tapes. Those negative old lies. And so he kept talking to me, and he kept telling me things. He, he, he kept speaking to the potential in my life. And guess what started happening over a period of time? He kept telling me, you're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. And kept, what kept happening was I start listening to that. And I started listening to that. Once in a while, I hear myself tell myself I'm a winner. But gradually over time, my tape started changing. And this tape over here, which was super negative and ugly, started getting deleted in a sense. Well, I started to believe what he was saying. And a lot of it had to do with the Word of God and understanding who I was in Christ and started memorizing those scriptures and playing them over and over and over again in my head. So every time Bob saw good in me and expressed it, it gave me something to live up to. It motivated me to be better than what I was. He gave me hope that things could become different than they were at, at that time. See, I'm forever grateful for him. There have been so many encouragers in my life. You know, I, I think throughout the years, you know, people that have been encouragers in my life. See, he invited me into his influence. In the very beginning, when I first met him, he invited me into the people that he was around. And there was a group of people that he was influencing and that he was discipling. He invited me into that group. And I got to be a part of that group. And so I got to be a part of, of not just him encouraging me, but that group encouraging me. It was pretty awesome. And all those people had my best interests at stake. They wanted me to succeed. And they were willing to go to any length for me to do it too. And so they were willing to sacrifice. And they sacrificed their time for me. They sacrificed their money sometimes for me. And they sacrificed probably their relations at home sometimes for me. Because they had their best interest for me. They wanted me to succeed and stuff. Kind of like a Barnabas. Everybody needs a Barnabas. You guys with me? Yeah? You with me? Everyone needs a Barnabas. I think we thrive best under a five to one. I know how life is under a three to one. I know how life is under five to one. Two different extremes, two different outcomes. <coughs> Excuse me. God is so good. He, he'll turn around with the enemy meant for harm. He'll turn around for the good. Because God not only did that in my life, but what the thing I love about the Lord is that he would never do something in you that he doesn't want to do through you. And he won't ever, 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 I want to encourage you, and some of these, my students know this already, he won't ever, ever, ever waste any hurt, any negative thing that's ever happened to us. He will always turn it around for the good as we go after him, as we continue to love him. Why? Because God's a great turnaround God. And he loves the turnaround. He loves us to be part of that turnaround. Why? Because our stories matter. Our stories matter to God. Our stories matter to other people, you know, and words matter. 
Today, I choose to be an encourager. Why? Because I know encouraging words matter. Hey, being in youth ministry for over 30 years now, it's been almost 30 years now, crazy. You know, over time, I've, I've had favorite students. I've even had my all-time favorite student. You can judge me on that all you want. I'm okay with that. But Jesus had his favorites. He did. He had his core group. He even had his probably favorite favorites. Maybe John, I don't know. You can decide for yourself on that. But I had my favorite guy, man. His name was Daniel. Like, I knew Daniel since he was like eight. Dodgers fan. I'm not a Dodgers fan. I'm a Nationalist fan. And he had come to me when I first met him, and he'd give me all the stats of everybody, man, on the Dodgers. And I'd be listening to him and going, so what? But no, and I wouldn't say that in a bad way, but what that did was it began a relationship. And he ends up in youth group, not ends up, but he comes to youth group when he is in sixth grade, and he par- part of the worship team. So he was always a part of the youth ministry and, and leadership and stuff. And I remember he, he'd go to camps. He, God used him in a powerful way to help start, start this dodgeball ministry. God used him in discipling, you know, because he was a great leader. God used him on a mission field, like as leading mission trips. And we went to Cambodia in 2015. And God put it on my heart. I was supposed to speak to him when we got to Cambodia. God wanted me to sit him down and tell him what I saw on him. And this is what I said. I said, Daniel, and I didn't talk about his athleticness, his drumming. He was an incredible drummer. And he, he was the kind of drummer that sang and worshiped as he drowned, drummed, not drank, as he drummed. Sorry. But this is what I said. I said, hey, man, you're loving. You've got such compassion. You're kind. You're patient. You're super forgiving. You've got great character. I said, you're good looking mostly. You got great eyebrows. I had to bring balance, all right? Your birthmarks are pretty cool. You're a servant. You're a leader. You're understanding. You're mature. You've got a lot of wisdom. And I said that to him, and he goes like this. Oh, I forgot. I got, you got a great smile. You're friendly. You're amazing. You got a great sense of humor, and you got a sweet personality. And he goes like this. He goes, you wonder why I still have that. And I know that. I'll, you know, I'll tell you that in a sec. But anyways, he goes, no one's ever said that to me before. Now, he's come from a family in our church that was powerful, you know. And he, no one's ever spoken that to Daniel before. No one's ever spoken that into his heart before. Look, words matter. Let me tell you, words matter. He goes like this. He goes, in a strange way. And he goes, I love you more than my parents. And don't get me wrong with what I'm saying. You've got to understand what I'm saying. We have such an opportunity with the people in our lives. God surrounds us with people. And we have an opportunity to speak into to their life every single day. And we have opportunity to speak words of life that would bring uplifting, encouragement, hope. Or we have words that can bring them down. And that's the power of our words. And today I choose to bring words that bring life into people. The reason I had that, and I know that, because I sent that to him a number of times. 
because just like me, my friend continued to tell me that over time. The last time I sent that to him was 2018, only because he believed it by then. You know, but before that, I would continue to text it to him because I think it's one thing to speak the words to him, and it was also something that he needed to see in black and white. I'm saying that because we all need to be that Barnabas, and we all need to be that Barnabas to other people. Are you with me on that? Okay, you with me? Yeah? Okay. Before I moved up here, I was, uh, I drove for Lyft and Uber and for part-time, and that was my 401k plan. And so everything I made there, I tried to do that and throw it in a 401k. And early on, I knew I was going to make money. And, hey, can I ask the worship team to come up now? Is that a good time for them to come up? I don't know where they're at, but I forgot to talk to them about this part. So, hey, welcome back. Hey, didn't they do a great job? Hey, be ready for this next song because this next song is going to be awesome. But um, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing Lyft and Uber, and, and one of the things I noticed right off the bat was people need encouragement. I did over 13,000 rides with Uber and Lyft. And one thing I realized and one thing I got good at was what I wanted more than anything is people, when they left my car, to feel better than how they came in my car. And that was my goal every single time. Was I going to make money? Absolutely. But I thought it was more important that when people left my car that they were better off before they got in. And I thought that was more important than whatever I made. And so I made it a point to learn how to become that person of speaking goodness, of encouraging other people, of uplifting other people. And I'm not saying that, look at what I do all the time, because I don't know about you, a lot of times I'll say words and I regret them. But the cool thing is, if I do that today, I can make amends, and that's the cool thing about it. But what I found out also, those words have power, and those words have power to bring life into somebody's life, and those words also have power that will last for a long time. Because I still go back to a lot of what my friends have told me and what have they reminded me. So I, I want to, um, 13,000 rides. And what I've realized over more than anything else is words matter. You know, I don't know how you word this past Thanksgiving, but the neat thing is about Jesus is that if you've spoken a word and, and, and not in so good of a light, Jesus can always help us renew that. And we have time to renew things. That's a cool thing. That's a healthy thing. But we also have a great opportunity this coming holiday with our family. And we get to be that person maybe that someone gets to, you know, to speak the name of Jesus over every situation in their life. If you've ever had any bad words spoken over you and you've believed it or lived it or it's kept you from living and given you a limiting factor in life, I speak the name of Jesus over that right now, that Jesus would break that mode and bring some healing there and that you would have a great story because of that, because he wants to use that story so you can help somebody with that too, because God's called each one of us to be an encourager. 
And we get to be that in other people's lives. And I'm blessed because of that. And I'm asking you this week to look for opportunities to be that encourager with people. And some of you, it might be super, super easy. And other, it might be taking that step of faith. But regardless, do it. I'm championing you this week to do it. Amen? You with me? Can I see a smile at least today? Okay. Because sometimes you're up here speaking, and I just want to see a smile once in a while. Anyways, let me pray something for you. God, I, I bless them. And I pray that you not only bless them, Lord, I pray that you would keep them. I pray that your face would shine upon them and that you'd be gracious to them. God, that you would lift up their countenance upon you and that you would give them peace, my God. I speak blessing over everything they do this week according to your will, Father. And I speak increase in their life in the name of Jesus. Guys, words matter. Amen? Amen. Amen.